Hello, my name is Ron Bowen and this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode, my co-host Joe Stewart and I speak with inspiring movers, thinkers and teachers about how they find their flow and much, much more. I'd like to start by honouring the traditional owners of this unceded land on which this episode was recorded, the Rwandri people of the Kulin Nation. Joe and I pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. For today's episode, we are speaking with Kate McCurgany of Matri Yoga. And sorry, Kate, if I've got that pronunciation wrong, I do apologize after our little training session. Kate has been teaching yoga for 18 years, and she and Joe have known each other since the late 90s. We'll hear some of their reminiscing about that time, as well as Kate's training at Sivananda Ashram in Kerala, South India in 2004. We'll also hear about her time with Paul Wooden at the Gertrude Street Yoga Studio and with Donna Fahi, Sarah Powers and Anahata Giri. Kate specialises in yoga and mindfulness-based practices to support women through pregnancy, motherhood and beyond. We were excited to talk to her as we know that a pregnant person unexpectedly arriving in class can actually make a lot of teachers anxious, especially if it wasn't a big part of their teacher training, and I think I am included in this. Kate has some great suggestions about practices that work well in a group class. Skillful use of language, including navigating corporate settings where the participant wants to keep their pregnancy private. Kate also shares some of the wonderful aspects of teaching specialized classes, focusing on this unique time in life, as well as insights that would be useful for teachers of all styles. It's a great conversation, so let's get into it. All right, Kate, thanks so much for coming and meeting with us today and speaking with us. It's great to get the chance to, to speak with you. So could you perhaps start by telling us a little bit about your background and where you grew up? Ah, yep. I'm from Christchurch, New Zealand, and I grew up in St Albans and went to, you know, a bog standard primary school, bog standard intermediate school, which was a thing back then where you just go for two years, and bog standard high school. And shout out to all my old high school friends who are having a reunion in Christchurch tonight, oh, wow. which I am not at. I'm here <laughs> podcasting with you lovely folk instead. So, yeah. <laughs> so I lived, I, yeah, I grew up and lived in New Zealand until I was 24. I went to university, University of Canterbury as well, and did a, you know, pretty generalized arts degree and then postgrad in theatre and film studies, which served me well to become, <laughs> uh, set me up for a lifetime of, you know, teaching yoga. <laughs> teaching yoga. <laughs> yeah. So I moved to Australia, moved to Melbourne directly after finishing my degree with absolutely no idea what I was going to do. I felt like I knew less at the end of a master's than I did when I was, you know, an 18-year-old undergraduate. And I moved to Melbourne, and this is where the story will almost herald our meeting, Joe, because I got a job in a shop on Flinders Lane called Alice Euphemia, and you and I met because you used to come in. Yeah, in my art school years. In your art school years. I wanted some avant-garde threads to wear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I worked there for a few years, but I also started, oh, actually when I still lived in New Zealand, I started going to yoga classes in Christchurch 
in my theater as part of my theater degree we did a lot of I did a lot of physical theater and so I was introduced to yoga through through that the first time I ever did a group om was you know when we'd get ready before we went on stage oh that's beautiful <laughs> getting everyone in harmony yeah. with each other with the universe <laughs> yes so then when I moved to Melbourne, a friend of mine said, oh, you've got to come to these yoga classes in Gertrude Street at Gertrude Street Yoga with Paul Wooden, who's the, the fellow who originally started that school. So I started going after work once or twice a week and really fell more in love with yoga over that time and got more into chanting and all the other associated I want to say bells and whistles. They're not. They're actually, comp- you know, as we as we're all nodding. <laughs> the limbs of the tree. Yes, <laughs> the limbs of the tree. When I'd started yoga in Christchurch, I started as a lot of people do through the Iyengar lens, which was fantastic for me at the time. Fantastic, couldn't complain. But through that practice, I started to feel more things being moved, more curiosity, more you know, openness to the other layers, the other limbs. And so then I was ready to be hit hard when I moved over here and took up doing yoga with Paul. I think that question started with where am I from and tell me a bit about, but you know, it was, that's my little journey story of how I came from, you know, like a lot of people actually, because lots of us Kiwis like to end up in Melbourne that's and right. in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was late nineties and kind of a fun time to be here. So yeah. Great time if you love drum and bass as well. Great which time. is another thing I we know. Know. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to the uh, Christchurch drum and bass massive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those first few years here as well, yes, there was a lot of, a lot of dance floor action. A lot of dance floor action. And for me, I was really balancing, you know, the whole burning the candle both ends kind of thing. The yoga was the, the yoga was intensifying and helping me to maintain just getting to work <laughs> during the week and then still being able to go out on the weekends and do all the other stuff that one might like to do. The late 90s, was that the big pants and stuff? You know, those oh, big... I was wearing, no, I'd moved beyond them at that oh. point, I'd just like to say. Yeah, I was doing slightly cropped pants, slightly more narrow and more narrow leg and then an exposed ankle. And uh, <laughs> we're going nodding. deep here. Oh, we're going, going deep. Yeah. I know. And then a dress over the top. Often. Oh yeah, skip or, hand. Yeah, yeah. Hand. <laughs> the the kids these days they haven't quite got there yet. My fifteen year old daughter is sort of doing. She's sitting on about nineteen ninety three right now. She went to Mufti Day at school yesterday, which I think we just call Casual Clothes Day in Australia, and she was wearing. Hi, Rakaia, by the way, if you ever listen to this. Sorry for dobbing you in. <laughs> she was wearing cargo pants and like a slightly cropped T-shirt and had her hair and two piggy tails. I and just cargo pants were coming back. Oh, totes. Yeah. 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 yeah, they are back for sure. But wow. what I'm saying is we've got to go another couple of years before the skirts over dresses. Uh, uh, sorry, the dresses over pants <laughs> comes in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously it was not late 90s because you had other things going on but when did you start getting into really focusing on prenatal yoga ah yes so I did my yoga teacher training in 2004 and you went to India for that right I did good remembering I actually did 
I doubled up. So I was, yeah, I'd become much more serious about yoga and decided to go to India with some friends and they pulled out at the last minute because of cash issues. And I decided to go anyway, which was great because I probably wouldn't have been the sort of person to just pack up and do something like that by myself if I hadn't already, you know, had the sort of gotten my head around it and decided that I was going to go to Shivananda Ashram in Kerala. And I knew some other people that had done that. So it was kind of a path that I could sort of find out a bit about ahead of time. And at the same time, Paul Wooden was thinking about doing a teacher training at Gertrude Street. And it was the only one he actually ever did the year that I did it. So he called me up and said he'd heard that I was going to India and going to do training over there and would I also like to do his the next year. So it was really good because I got this real balance of doing the very intensive month at Shivananda Ashram, which was amazing, and then coming back and doing like a year of more in-depth, or it was more than a year actually. But just so as part of the training, I was now in hindsight, I realised that I was lucky enough that he brought in a woman who I don't know if she's still around I still remember her name her name was Jody it was either Gregson or Gregson and she came in and did I don't know 20 odd hours with us on prenatal yoga and a woman who was not doing the course with us but was a friend of someone who was was pregnant at the time and she came in as well so we were getting to hear her perspective on things she was doing all the practices with us and giving us you know immediate feedback on you know, you know what I mean, on how things felt and what she, you know. So it was a real crash course in a world that I had otherwise previously not thought about at all. So that was amazing that I actually got that as part of the training. And then I, I was already working as a teacher because especially back in those days, you sometimes worked before you actually had the qualifications. <laughs> and I was doing, you know, co- all, anything I could, like a lot of us would, you know, like corporate gigs in the centre of Melbourne and, you know, little early morning things here and there wherever I could get them. I think I was teaching about a dozen classes a week. And one of the jobs that somehow came across my lap was teaching a prenatal class. I think it was in Essendon, somewhere where I had to get on a train and da 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 da. And the the class had, I was so all of a sudden I was in the deep end. You know, I felt I'd had this little bit of training, you know, and it was a very short class as well, which is always challenging. I think it was an hour or less than an hour, and there was a curriculum for the whole course. But I still had to design each session. I just, I just had to, over the course of however many weeks, tick off that I'd taught them every single posture and every single breathing technique on this list. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> Why are we laughing? It was kind of crazy, you yeah. know. It was really crazy. And did the person was, give you any, like, did you even meet the person who was organising it? Did they kind of talk you through or just give I you this list you had to check off? a little off? bit, but she was very busy. <laughs> <laughs> and their school was really popular. It was kind of, <laughs> lucky I can't remember her name. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was struggling, but not outwardly, you know, trying to keep it together and just make it look like I knew what I was doing, to teach these quite big groups of women these very quick, short, sharp classes and just trying to get in all the postures. And I remember this turning point one day where one of the women that was coming to the class was obviously, it was her first pregnancy. She was obviously 
working hard and, you know, used to working hard in her life, had a kind of career type job and had all the balls in the air, you know, and you could just see that she was not coping, but she was trying really hard just to push on through. And I really felt this, you know, like this, this responsibility, the right way, just this, like I, I would be doing her a disservice not to somehow take her aside, <laughs> you know, and find a way to just gently say, hey, you don't have to just, you don't have to hold all of this up in the air all at once. And I I did find a tactful, non-judgy, non, you know, trying to, I'm not trying to tell you what to do kind of way to say it, which for me at that time, I look back and go, oh, that was pretty mature of me because I wasn't always, you know, <laughs> wasn't necessarily something I'd had much, you know, opportunity to do before then and I remember just this it was like her whole being just exhaled exhaled you know what I mean like it was okay just to not keep pushing on through and be the the woman who just you know yeah I can't I don't need to finish that sentence do I because we're all nodding you know so yeah that was my first foray into prenatal and realizing as well that you've got to give the opportunity You've got to give people space and and an opportunity to really, or to, you've got to give them space and to remind them to keep making space for this massive big change that's happening in their life, you know, and that physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, the whole, you know, the whole thing for this baby. So that was my that was my baptism by fire. And I did stay teaching there until until I moved. So I'd I'd met my future husband and we moved to Gippsland I think so I'd probably been teaching yoga for a year and a half or maybe two years so I was still a freshie and we moved to near Bensdale and there was at that time as far as I could tell there was really only one other yoga teacher in the area who who had a very who was very established but was an older guy that taught Iyengar yoga so there was him and there was me, you know. So I kind of automatic, not not automatically, but I st- I kind of moved even more into that softer, more I nurturing. guess. Yeah, yeah, yep. And there were a lot more people out there having babies at that time, and so some of those women started to find me as well, and then I got pregnant as well. And so prenatal just again started, I guess I'm thinking it's almost like a similarity to the woman that came along to those sessions when I did teacher training. I was using myself (laughs) and my life circumstances as a tool to just become more and more literate, I guess, in teaching prenatal. So I, yeah, I just started along with all the other things I kind of slowly evolved into teaching out there. I started teaching more prenatal, but I still didn't have a specific prenatal yoga qualification. Just need to be clear about that. (laughs) Just out myself on that one. So I was buying books and, you know, just experimenting and getting feedback from people and being very clear about what I did and didn't know. I I bought, you know, started buying books online because you could finally actually do that by this point. So this is probably 2007. I think one of Janet Belaskis was one of the first yoga sort of prenatal yoga books I bought and she's still all of her books are still worth having a look at and yeah I just puddled my way through yeah 
<laughs> and so what do you think your favorite aspect of teaching this style is? Oh, I love that the women that find me and the pregnant people that find me are really open to experiencing all the aspects and limbs, as we've checked earlier on, of yoga during that time. Like they've kind of just mostly taken this, uh, you know, they've, they've got, they realise, I guess, that they've got this limited time because there's going to be a definite end point you know, <laughs> when they have a baby. So uh, they're often very dedicated, which is real, you know, as a teacher, when you, over the years, for whatever reason, you see people coming and going, and that's the natural way of things, isn't it? But you have people for potentially quite a short time and they're so committed and willing and open to have not just learn from you but to have this beautiful exchange you know and so it does become a little bit addictive that um, getting to go through that little journey with them also you know a lot of women come to prenatal yoga and they've actually never done yoga before and I used to just love teaching beginners so now I get to teach beginners who also happen to be pregnant and yeah just get to to have that joy, you know, go through that joyous discovery. That's the word I wanted. We talked about this before, didn't we, Joe? I'm outing myself again now. I've got a lot of brain fog these days mm-hmm. now that I'm a middle-aged person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that process of discovery about themselves, about their changing bodies, and it's just so beautiful to be around, yeah, that that energy. And so the flip side of that is I can imagine already the short window of time that people would come to your classes would make it a bit challenging to have an ongoing business. Yeah, business-wise, it's shit. Excuse my <laughs> French podcast people. But, yeah, it's it's really challenging, yeah, because even if you've got someone from, you know, the end of their first trimester all the way through to giving birth and then actually I teach postnatal as well so they might not everyone does but some people come back after six or eight weeks and then you get them for another say five or six months and then off they go out into the world it's like you know waving goodbye to your little you know (laughs) your little children and and, you know in all senses of that but people Oh, it's really beautiful when people come back when they have subsequent pregnancies or they tell their sister or their workmates or their cousins. You know, word of mouth is king as well. So especially once you've been in a place for a longer time. So I have moved around a little bit. So it always takes a few years to for that to start kicking in. But that's, you know, that's gold really. And so would you say that limited time that people come to you is the biggest challenge or is there is there more? Mm. Business-wise. Or just uh, teacher-wise yeah, as a person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I actually, yeah, so, and yeah, it's, it's, it's not too much of a challenge really. It's, it's nice in some ways, like I say, you know you've got this period of time to share what you think is important and then you learn things every cycle as well with different women and or people will turn up, you know, over the years. I mean, I have done – well, not obviously, I have done more prenatal training now and, and and just gone off and done a lot of my own research and things. And so you do still get people turning up with pregnancy-related health issues or things that you still haven't heard about. So you go off and research them and everything. And so you've got, you know, 
I lost my train of thought there. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right, because I already have the next thing I want to ask you, which is about guidelines, because I've done a little bit of prenatal training, like mainly in Pilates, and then just like you, trying to stay up to date and kind of reading different articles and books and things. And I've really noticed the guideline shift since I first started being interested in this stuff and now. And there are still really big contradictions, mm. even in current best practice, know, depending really, on who yeah. you're reading. Yes. Do you want to kind of dig into that a bit? Oh, I'll do my best and you can just pull me back again. Well, I can, I, I can start I, if you want yeah, because yeah, one of the be big great. ones that I've noticed is whether it's all about building strength and stability yeah. through the pelvis, through the pelvic floor, or whether it's all about letting go, hip stretching, expansive yeah. opening movements, or where I sit, which is like, Depends on where someone's at to begin with, whether you need to relax more or whether you need to stabilise more. Yeah, I would say definitely option three. You know, early on in class with women, I set them up in a very supported Sutta Bharakonasana. And I do that version where you roll up a blanket loosely and you pop it. So Sutta Bharakonasana, sorry for people listening, is butterfly pose or cobbler's pose with the soles of the feet together, knees apart lying back and your feet are quite close to your pelvis and you're laying back on a bit of support so you're not laying straight back and then and then I pop a rolled blanket over their feet and they lift their knees a bit close together and I wrap it around under their shins so then when they open out into it again they've got that support of the blanket so we do that in the first week or two and I'm like this pose here is almost like the the felt illustration of what we're going to be doing throughout our whole practice, which is having this sort of coming together of of opening but containment, you know. So you do, you will feel it. Even if you've still got that blanket there, you'll feel a little bit of a stretch. You'll feel, and for some women, actually, that's too much. And we'll probably talk about that in a minute to do with if they've got pelvic girdle pain. But for most people, it's a, it's an, it's a great place to start. But then you've got that support as well with the blanket coming around that you can be held by don't have to just there's always you know like if you just keep opening 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 where's it gonna you know (laughs) where's it gonna end but you're right so a lot of older yoga literature and even some of those amazing older books which I do recommend buying and looking at even if it's just for the awesome photos of women in stripy leotards Mm -hmm. and pantyhose doing prenatal yoga you know they will often really emphasize everything open open leg this da 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 you know lots of big stretches and yeah we have sort of moved away from that a little bit more now to having a balance with containment and strengthening but yeah like you said before it's often the individual as well like some women do come to you know have already done yoga for years and then happen to become pregnant or have done all sorts of other physical practices and are already quite strong in their body and for some of them, they might learn to need to, I don't want to say need because I don't want to be prescriptive, but it might be helpful, you know, if they learn to to soften a little bit as well or check whether they're actually, maybe you've been doing more bunda for years and you're so, or in Pilates as well, and I don't know what the term, equivalent term is in Pilates, but just holding on to your core, you know, and then it might be a process of learning to actually let go of that. Yeah, so it's nuanced. Yeah, yeah, I've recently learned as well that holding tight through your pelvic floor can be a stress response. 
And yes. after the yeah. past two years yes. <laughs> that we've all had, yeah. regardless of what else you have going on in your life or like the woman who had so many things going on, all the balls in the air, like mm. I could imagine that would result in a bit of internal gripping Absolutely. and holding, keeping all of that yeah, together. Yeah. Yep. So I, f- I feel like that's a big thing to address through the practice. And again, you might not go there immediately, but I always do. I always go there, you know, and actually that in terms of structuring how you run your business or run your classes, that's a big reason why I only teach terms or courses, you know. It's not that I have a set curriculum and we've got to get through like those classes I did years ago, we've got to get through X, Y, and Z. It's that I want to build a relationship with these women and I want to be able to get to points of time where we can talk about things like that and for it not to be embarrassing or feel invasive or feel like we've, you know, you know what I mean? Like Oh, totally, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and so definitely holding on in your pelvic floor, holding on in your belly as well, like for a lot of women especially, I'm sure some males do it as well, but we've, off, you know, if we really look into it, we've been conditioned over a lifetime to to hold on to our abdomen a little bit, to not let it, not let it soften and all hang out. So that can be a massive thing for some women when they get to, I guess, moving into their second trimester when they do start to pop out, as we say. They're, they're finally letting go there for the first time. It's, you know, and it's an emotional thing as well, you know. It's like these layers sometimes that have to peel away. And, yeah, same with the pelvic floor. So at some point during my courses, if it feels appropriate and, I, you know, I'll, I'll head towards talking about things like that and it might even be so one of the big issues in pregnancy is women can be constipated you know so you can even come to it from that or when you start doing more squats and things like that you can just I like to do lots of public service announcements in my class so I'll just say and I'm not I don't I'm not asking people to put up their hand right who who here's having trouble with their bowel movements you know but I might just say as we're coming into a squat type you know shape that oh you might or like to, you know, you might want to bring this into your life a little bit more to help with elimination and, you know, and then move to talking about or even share a personal story about myself, you know, going back to working in fashion retail years ago, you know, you couldn't go to the toilet whenever you wanted to. And, and there's, you know, there's so, so even just things like that, you know, a lot of us unconsciously or because of work issues or you know, we can't always go to the toilet when we need to. And so again, over a lifetime of patterning, you're subtly holding on all the time and not even paying attention to the the physical signals that your body gives you, ignoring them, you know, again, for often quite realistic reasons, because it's not going to always be the best practice to just, you know, (laughs) go whenever, wherever. (laughs) But once you start to notice that, you realise, you know, I'm not allowing my you know I'm not listening to my body when it's asking me to do these things so just plant starting to plant those seeds with women earlier on in their pregnancy so as you say they start to realize on what level it is that they're holding like it may also be emotional stuff past trauma you know it's a big it's big it's a lot yeah Hello, Ran here just to talk about our Patreon page. Patreon is a way that you can help support the podcast for as little as $1 US a month. 
higher tiers get access to extra special content as well as a listing on our website and a shout out on the podcast. We use the funds from your Patreon contributions to pay for editing and producing for our podcast which used to take me around four hours per episode so I really appreciate it. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash flowartistpodcast and join the Patreon club. If you'd like to support us in other ways, you can share this episode on social media, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or just reach out and let us know your thoughts on this or anything else. All right, let's get back to our conversation with Kate. And like slightly moving up from the pelvic floor you touched on that like abdominal bracing Mm. and holding and I have seen studies online saying oh it's actually fine for pregnant people to do like abdominal curls as long as they're not past that you know 18 weeks or 22 weeks or wherever you set your own line for lying on the back and can actually be I know right can actually be helpful to prevent rectus diastasis and I was always taught that like anything that increased abdominal pressure is probably not going to be helpful and I seriously, like this is also from the Pilates world Mm. as well, so I'm like, is there an underlying sense that you should still be having a flat stomach even if you're pregnant or is this about people feeling strong and not limiting people's movement out of fear when actually it's okay for some people to move that way Mm. if they feel good about it? But, yeah, yeah, that one's a lot of red flags for me because I've uh, the only pregnant people I've had in my class who've wanted to do abdominal Mm. curls I know I've had other body image issues. Yeah, so. So that's, yeah. I, and that's, yeah. I mean, I think back to years ago when I taught in Melbourne and got a lot more of a range, well, not that I don't have a range of people now, but I, you know, I'd get people come through who were performers and, you know, really use their body a lot or, or people who'd run marathons, I don't know, all of that sort of stuff. And I do remember the odd person. I mean, it harks back to that woman that I was saying when I very first taught prenatal who was trying to be the corporate and trying to do all the stuff you can find people like that as well who are doing living out that, that similar thing but with their bodies you know trying to still hold on in that way and if possible yeah the biggest bestest advice I feel that you can give them or help them to discover for themselves is that it's okay to let go for this amount of time and let your baby have some space in your body and in your life you know and in It's really important. So, yeah, I just, why would you, yeah, for me, it's like, why would you want to do crunches? Like, you know, why? (laughs) But, um, you know, I I do over, so I've had three, three pregnancies, three children, and my practice changed a lot over the years. Like first and even second pregnancy, I was still doing things like plank pose, which there's, again, a lot of different advice around. And I have done one prenatal training in the States years ago when my first daughter was one, where we were being taught a sun salutation variation, pregnant friendly in inverted commas, that included a plank pose. And so for several years after that, I taught that because it felt okay to me and I was being taught that in the context of a studio in New York where they had a lot of really, you know, really gung-ho women who'd done years and years of yoga ahead of time who, you know, so I don't know, could we go back and do a study of all those people that did that sun salutation and find out whether they had more 
issues with diastasis or prolapse down the track or, you know, I, I really don't know. But I've now in these more more recent years, I'm just, I've cut, I'm not teaching that anymore. I think there's other ways that you can still maintain a bit of core integrity because, yeah, it's not a time to just lie on the couch your whole nine months and what is it you're supposed to do? Eat pickles and ice cream or something, you know, like it's good <laughs> I to mean, stay. sometimes that's the only option, well, like that's yeah. what you've got capacity for. Oh, absolutely. And I, again, I would be the first person to say keep a rug on that couch and have a nana nap whenever you feel like it. But, yeah, in terms of strengthening, I think there's been a lot more emphasis now on keeping your legs strong, keeping your glutes, you know, working. That can help with pelvic floor as well because they'll sort of pull your, you know, sacrum. I'm not very good at technical anatomical stuff, but they can help to keep that space between your pubic bone and your sacrum and tailbone if your glutes are kind of, you know. So so stuff like not full squats, but like a higher squat. I teach this a lot, actually, where you sort of stand with your feet wide on your mat and your toes out a little bit more and then come pop your elbows down on your knees. So actually, again, I learned this from this amazing woman in America and she called it camper's pose because it's <laughs> like if you're in the woods and you, you Gotta know. Do a bush yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just, sometimes I call it camper's pose just for fun as a tribute to her, but I sort of call it high squat. So if you're in that with your elbows on your knees and you actually stay there for a little while, you'll feel the burn. You will feel it. So, you know, something like that or doing a wall sit as well, squeezing a brick between your knees and sliding down the wall as far as you can comfortably and pressing your, you know, pressing your lower back into the wall a little bit. You'll feel that after a while. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, or you can roll in and up and down. So you can do that and then sort of pretend as if you're on your back coming up and down into bridge pose, but you're standing instead and then you roll your pelvis and your spine up off the wall and then roll back down again. And again, that'll, you know, that sounds get like a cooking. really great yeah. move to do if I'll you've been sitting you down too long. Yes. Mm. Yeah. 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 And what's another? Oh, on hands and knees doing like bird dog, you know, where you kick one leg. And this would, you'd need to check that women are okay to be on their hands because some women in pregnancy can have a lot of issues with their wrists and get carpal tunnel and things like that. So Forearms on a bolster works with that one as well. Forearms on a bolster, yeah, and then kicking your leg back and then maybe doing your opposite arm. That's a good one. But definitely I would always set up a lot of cueing with that to make sure that they're not going into slouch mode in their lower back. So before they even lift their leg, just I get them to extend their leg first and before they even lift it, I'm like, Almost do the opposite, you know, let your lower back sag. I hate to use the word sag, but you know what I mean. And then do the opposite. And so for some people, they might think of drawing their lower ribs up. For other people, they might think of adjusting the position of their pelvis. You know, it can, you know how those cues can, different people need to hear the different ones to, to find the action in their own body. So yeah, feel it while you're in that safer state, I guess. And then try lifting your leg off the floor and see if you can maintain it. But also make sure you can still breathe. And often I'll crack a joke as well. So then they are breathing and they're, if they're laughing as well and still doing it, then it's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of things. How do we get onto that? Because we were talking about crunches. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because there's an evidence base that has not proven it was harmful in that selection of studies looked at, it doesn't actually mean that people even want to do it or that it's that helpful because I think it's easier to to measure harm 
because mm-hmm. often that's something you can see on an MRI or people increase more pain versus benefit to movements like that because yeah. you do all of these other things, your body's changing anyway, and yeah. no one will be doing that one exercise for their pregnancy. No, like you do no. a range of things. Yeah, and yeah. I guess just with that in mind, knowing that everyone's coming in a different body, different previous life experience, different previous movement experience. Do you kind of give people some like red flag feelings to be like, oh, if you're starting to feel this, like one I often say is if you're starting to feel like downward pressure on your pelvic floor, then that might be telling you that maybe this isn't the right variation that of this That is move. a great cue to give and I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually said that out loud recently. So thanks for reminding me of that. I'm conscious of that because I had issues in my third pregnancy. Again, how graphic do we want to get? But with circulation and if you're putting downward pressure, you know, that can also be cause more issues with that. So I had varicosities on my vulva. That we like to talk about really that on your podcast. Yeah, 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 it is. And it's something I'd never heard of and then became aware that it's, you know, reasonably common. But of course, you know, there's all these things that people don't talk about, you know, until their teacher brings it up first. So yeah, my practice in my third pregnancy came down to about three poses because I couldn't do anything that created downward pressure anymore because it just made that issue worse. But it would definitely be the same if you were having any issues with prolapse or you know which uh, again is more common than we realize especially for women who've had multiple pregnancies and people could also have a prolapse that they're not aware of right yeah 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 so yeah I was about to say I was about to start talking about when you teach people postnatally I don't know if we want to go there yeah, as let's well go but for that's, it. we're already talking yeah, about like yeah, we might have to, floor oh, no, issues. here we are here we yeah, are guys yeah. how far are we into the podcast <laughs> yeah so but let's come back to the prenatal as well but yeah it's I would definitely always assume when you have women especially if they've just given birth two three months ago to take it really easy on intra intra abdominal pressure you know so anything that bears down because well more likely they'll have some abdominal separation which is super common and usually sorts itself out but less common but still highly possible they might have experienced some prolapse or they've had a c-section or instrumental delivery which is you know vacuum extraction or forceps and that's also going to have caused issues (laughs) (laughs) that are going to take some time to heal. So women might turn up back at class and be like, yeah, I'm back at yoga. But you know what I mean? Like you've got to go. Yeah. (laughs) Like let's just do some breathing and get you back into your body and, you know, gently, gently. Yeah. Let's just give you an hour where you can focus on yourself rather than fully focusing on taking care of another little human. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but oh, where were we with the prenatal? Because I felt like we were. Oh, we were talking about red flags. So oh, we yes. had the downward pressure. Yeah, the downward pressure. The other one. Oh, so I did. Oh, so I briefly mentioned earlier on about pelvic girdle pain when I was talking about how often, usually at the beginning of class, people rock, rock up. Oh my God, listen to me. They rock up the class <laughs> and um, I'll get them in a restorative pose to start with, as as many of us do in yoga. It's actually a good thing because if you're still getting ready and putting the music on and putting your lip balm on, you know, <laughs> they can all just sort of be there hanging out. So if 
I, yeah, when I talked about that earlier, I said, well, not if they had pelvic girdle pain. So that's a really big thing to look out for as well in prenatal class, but also if you had someone coming along to class who was pregnant or post recently postpartum. It is a sort of umbrella term for in a lot of different sort of permutations of instability in the pelvis. So, and it, if you do read older yoga books, it's not mentioned. So one of my very first yoga Bibles that I still look at and still love doesn't mention it at all. It only mentions sciatica. And originally, I, I think, my feeling is that often pelvic girdle pain was misdiagnosed. And I say diagnosed in inverted commas with my fingers here, because I'm sure if people had actually gone to see an osteo or a physio, they would have put them straight. But people would say, to someone else in their life, or maybe even their yoga teacher, oh, I've got this sort of feeling in my buttock here or this sort of achy, sharp pain or whatever they were saying. They'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 that'll be sciatica. It actually, more often than not, was not sciatica. <laughs> and that's inflammation of the sciatic nerve, right? So that's often like a pain that radiates down your leg from a nerve being in a yeah. not so good position. And if you pinched. stretch that can actually help that, you know, bring your leg into a right angle. You know, personally, I don't teach pigeon pose, but bring that your leg or both legs into that sort of shape and do a nice sort of forwardy bendy or even sitting on a chair with your ankle on your knee and, you know, leaning forward. That sort of stuff is going to be great for someone with sciatic pain. But if you jump to thinking, even if someone says to you, oh, I've, I've got sciatica, I always feel red, red flaggy that I want to say to them, well, who told you that? <laughs> Not that I don't believe them, but if just their neighbor told them, I, I want to, and, and then I'm teaching them stretches that might help to relieve sciatic pain, but it turns out they've got pelvic girdle pain, then I've done them a disservice. So yeah, if it is pelvic girdle pain, which can is generally either an instability in the sacroiliac joint or at the front in the pubic symphysis, you know, because pregnant People have a lot of, you know, extra hormones moving through their body and all the beautiful relaxing, which is there for good reason to soften and create space so that eventually when their baby comes, you know, they're going to be able to move through the incredible pelvic structure. But yeah, in the meantime, you because you're getting that flood of extra relaxing, it can create instability that can can lead to pain and discomfort. And if you're then stretching on top of that, it's just not happy days, you know, it's just going to make things worse. But what is important, I guess, to remember is that people don't always feel in the moment that they're doing the thing that exacerbates the pelvic girdle pain. They don't feel it in that moment. They'll feel it that night or the next day. So yeah, it's sort of important to make that potential connection for people so that they, you know, the penny drops at some point and they do go off and get see a a great physio or an osteo get a diagnosis, da da da, and then and then we need to as teachers. So I'll always get my pelvic girdle pain people, you know, and usually say in a class of ten to twelve, there might be one or two. So you know, it's reasonably common. Ten, I think maybe ten to twenty percent. I think I've seen that figure somewhere in my life, and I'll put them all in one spot if I can, and just make sure that they're really not doing anything with their legs wider than hip distance apart. And like one leg forward, one leg back can also be a bit of an issue. It can be for some, and so you need to check in with them because so for some people it's fine, like a 
Pajvatanasana kind of thing, but obviously not bending right forward. Yeah, like a split leg forward bend into a wall or into a chair is great for most pregnant women, people. But yeah, for some will not be amazing. And actually, this is on my to-do list to get more and more literate in and around, the, again, those intricacies of, of why it is that for some people, you know, that's okay and others it's not. I'm still I'm still working on that. I like to pick my the brains of my osteo whenever I go see him and you know, and I know you're a nerd with all of that stuff as oh, well. Yeah, totally. Whenever I'm getting a massage, I'm like, okay, tell me what muscle that is that uh-huh. you're working yeah, on yeah, now. Yeah. 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 So definitely yeah, pelvic girdle pain generally, yeah, you just don't wanna you don't wanna bring legs wider apart than that hip distance. And there's still so much that you can do. There's so many things that you can do. It's just, you know, really doesn't doesn't matter too much. And just giving the basic advice as well, like making sure that when uh, you're getting in and out of a car, you know, you keep your knees together. That's actually, a, that can be a very graunching manoeuvre for, <laughs> for a lot of us. <laughs> I've when, Even when I wasn't pregnant, I damaged myself once and ended up with an entrapped psoas or something making that big move to step out of a car you know oh yeah I know lots of people with lower back pain and knee issues that that's like the thing in their life that causes them those problems and it's hard because it's kind of unavoidable if you're driving places yeah Mm. yeah so a good bit of advice is to yeah well actually I've I used to always say, imagine that you're Paris Hilton, you're wearing a very short skirt and the paparazzi are there and you need to sort of get out and keep your modesty, you know. But then a student recently talked about being a mermaid and I love that oh, so much yeah. more. And you don't have to go into some ridiculously, I do like to paint really stupid long pictures sometimes. To, to And so I was like, oh, that's great. Pretend you've got your mermaid tail. <laughs> so because I do actually do a bit of chair-based stuff in my classes. So on the week that we do that, then I'll give the little sermon about getting in and out of cars. You know what I mean? Because I can kind of piggyback them onto each other. And if we're doing a chair-based twist or something, I'll say, well, when you come to the other side, just sort of scoot yourself around like you're a mermaid and then give a little, you know, reminder about public service announcement, reminder about that. Yeah. And I guess the other one, which is, it seems really obvious, but I think it's still helpful to say is, are you having trouble breathing right now? Because mm. if someone's having trouble breathing in a particular mm. yoga shape, then you probably want to move so that they can breathe more easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And women's breath capacity in pregnancy really changes. And I don't know about you, but when I did teacher training, not so much in Australia, but when I did it in India, it was wonder- wonderful, not a criticism at all, but we were taught pranayama where we all breathed at the same time, you know. Yeah, like and counted Counted out for us. Yeah, yeah. So whether it was alternate nostril breathing or kapalabhati or something like that, the whole crowd of us were all, and there's something amazing about that, you know, especially when you're learning. But I would absolutely never try to guide people when to move, when to breathe, how long to, you know, breathe for. and But, yeah, so as you say as well, if you feel like you're having issues, if you can't still breathe and be in this shape, then your body's trying to tell you something. Trying to get out of the yeah, pose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess going back again again to how I was saying I, I prefer to have people for at least six, eight, ten weeks, often again they'll come for their whole pregnancy, but I at least like to lock them in for that period of time. 
the first session, I even if they've done yoga before, I just assume we're all on the same page at the beginning. And I will spend probably half the session just doing breath awareness and helping us to all and even for me it's I could go through this a million times and I still get something out of it you know am I really using my body as the breathing apparatus that it was so beautifully designed to be you know so feeling into making sure that you've got some diaphragmatic movement making sure that you've at least starting to imagine what's happening in your pelvic floor because that can take a little while and you almost you know to, to really feel it I think imagining can be helpful or visualizing to begin with and yeah making sure that every you're making every single breath count and especially when there's a baby on board you know like that oxygen is just absolutely you know, <laughs> so valuable for them. You, you literally want to make sure that every breath counts. And then if also, if you've been doing that level of awareness through your whole pregnancy, then birth is going to be, I don't, I'm not, not necessarily want to say easier, but, you know, having breath is just your best friend when you're giving birth. So if you've been really noticing how and when you breathe most effectively through your pregnancy, and not even necessarily particular breathing practices. I do teach pranayama, but I'm very quick to say, you know, it's. I feel like it's much more important that you're just breathing and knowing when you're breathing, you know, and knowing when perhaps you could, you know, if, if and when something needs to change, almost intuiting, you know, what that might be, whether it is that it might need to slow down or breathe a bit more into a certain area but you know what I mean rather than it being prescriptive that you're just really listening and feeling and that's a really wonderful aspect of a dedicated prenatal training course like a class that goes mm. for six weeks but a lot of yoga teachers have the experience of teaching their regular class and yeah. a pregnant person shows yes. up let's talk about this yeah. classic experience <laughs> yeah. it's a corporate class and someone quietly comes up to you and tells yeah. you they're pregnant but yes. no one else can know <laughs> in the group <laughs> how do you navigate those situations yeah interesting yeah yeah. So that has happened to me. And I think, yeah, you're nodding. Yeah. Where I taught a corporate class for quite a few months with a pregnant person in it who didn't want everyone else to know. And the class became more and more prenatal friendly <laughs> as the weeks went along. Yeah. It is good to have a little hit list, isn't it? Of top, top hits. So definitely you know, a couple of restorative poses that you know are going to be just suitable for everyone. Actually, a really good one is constructive rest. You know, you don't need props for it. You could just offer said pregnant person a couple of extra blankets to elevate them slightly. You can be on your back for a period of time, especially earlier on in your pregnancy, with no worries. You know, it's it's definitely up to how it feels for you. And you know, you just say quietly to them, you know, if you start to feel lightheaded, you know, or just feel not quite right, just roll onto your side. But do you know what I mean? You So you could, so constructive rest for people listening, go off and Google it if you don't, because this is like a top, top restorative pose. It's so simple and amazing. It's literally just lying back with your knees up, your feet parallel. What do you think, Joe? Maybe like a foot away from your bum? Yeah, not all jammed in. Like not I feel like it's all in. about yeah. making space. Yeah. It's not like it's not like when you're getting ready to do a bridge pose, your feet are a bit further away from your bum. 
and you can literally be flat on the floor. But again, pregnant, you might try and just get a little bit of something underneath them. But that's something you get the whole class to do and everybody would benefit from that. It really helps because you've got your legs up, your lower back is sort of, you know, connecting to the to the earth and you can breathe you know the breath starts to sort of you know find its way and if and you and I I think both learned a lot about this years ago with the lovely Nina Isabella Mama Shanti that it can help to release your pelvic floor but you do need to be there for a good five ten minutes at least so that would be a great go-to that you could just get everyone in then let's see oh breathing wise like I call it waterfall breathing so you definitely don't do any retentions with pregnant people at all so no breath holding no strong breath of fire or you know puffing and puffing your breath in and out at rapid rates so definitely nothing with a retention but I really like focusing on just the natural pauses at the top of the inhale and at the end of the exhale and then starting to divide up the outward breath as well so a little bit of outward breath a little a rest a little bit more a rest a little bit more and I call that waterfall breathing yeah I think I know it's Veloma yeah (laughs) Yeah, Veloma yeah yeah and then you can bring in a beautiful visualization as well about flowing down the cascades of the waterfall and you know you could wax lyrical about that or just provide it as a as a little option and people can take it where they want to or Brahmari breathing is a great one for everybody because especially people live in pretty busy you know hectic lives because it really the so that's the humming bee breath where you block your ears and there's you know some great information out there about how any kind of humming can help to stimulate your vagus nerve so to help bring you into that really really nice rest and digest state that can be very hard helpful for all of us to chillax (laughs) but also in pregnancy and and going into birth so that's and getting to people to start using a little bit of sound but in a way that's not too it doesn't have religious overtones in the way that chanting sometimes can yeah yeah yeah. like I'll hit people with the chanting but I take a few weeks to do that (laughs) Um, so that's another good one just to you know that you could do with everyone And then things like alternate nostril breathing, but you probably wouldn't hit a whole class with that if you didn't know already that they'd all done it because it can start to get a little bit complicated. But even actually, I'm getting into, I'm getting back into teaching because one of my classes is in the evening and it's quite late. And I teach at the end when I'm sending people home, Chandra Bedana, which is the, so Chandra as in moon. And just, it's like alternate nostril breathing, but you're literally just inhaling through left, exhaling through right, repeatedly. So simple to teach, no complicated pattern, and really helps to sort of calm and sort of seal the deal. So if you have done an evening class, you know, I I don't know if you've ever found that, but I worry. I'm a bit of a mum like that. I worry about sending people home and that they're going to be really buzzing, you know, and to (laughs) not be able to get to sleep. So something like that can be really nice as well. And I often find moving from pranayama to like asana, more movement, mm. seated series of shoulder stretches yes. is a winner in corporate classes. Shoulders, yeah, people can yeah. do it too. Yeah. Everyone can do it. Yeah. Oh, you've brought me back as well because we were talking about those corporate classes where we have a hidden pregnant person. Yeah. Or hands and knees and then working through 
cat stretches or that little cute one that I like uh, where you swivel on your knees and you look over your shoulder and watch, you know, bring your feet off to the side and sort of look at your tail, like <laughs> swiveling side to side. Again, I guess if it's corporate, you wouldn't want to get into, you know, I usually get people to do some big sort of circles and infinity loops and you know feeling into but you might want to just you could give the free movement cue a little so bit of free, just yeah, yeah. Cat pose or you could make it a little bit more fluid and elaborate yeah, if you like yeah. and then coming into a child's pose but you know obviously with knees apart to make space for for if there is a little creature on board with the arms outstretched and then coming off you know walking your hands around to one side so pregnant people really do respond a lot to doing sort of beautiful stretches where you sort of stretch out through each side, you know. So and is that so about many... making more room for yeah, breath into more, the side ribs yeah. as the diaphragm's getting yes. more and more pushed up? And more, yeah, yeah, more space between the between the ribs and the waist as well. So, yeah, anything like that is really great as well. And that works well seated as well. If you're doing your seated shoulder stretches, you can do some Love seated that. lateral stretches with it. Love it, yeah. And really starting to get into... I mean, I definitely do teach held stretches and there's a great place for them, you know, and often it's sort of then it becomes about the challenge in your mind, isn't it, when you're actually sitting in a pose for a period of time and, you know, (laughs) the mind starts to tick over about what are we going to do next? But I do really like teaching flowing in and out of shapes as well and making sure that it's your doing it in your time with your breath not with me not with the rest of the class you know I, I feel like that was one of the uh, not exactly downsides but remember when we were all all about vinyasa and it used to be like just this thing of like how long a routine can you thread together all on one side of your body and get to the very end and then impress everybody because you could do the whole routine all the way on the other side and but you know and everybody would be following and da 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 and it'd be all beautiful and sort of intuitive on your part as the teacher but then everybody's following your breath and your you know you know what I mean and yeah I just think it's really it's so important that people actually connect in with their own experience and follow move in their own time so I spend a lot of time hammering that home. I think it's easier as well if you're teaching to multiple levels or just different bodies and you're offering different options the longer the sequence is, if you're giving three options mm. per posture mm. and you're doing a sequence of two poses, mm. that's fine. Yeah, that's really, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone can keep track yeah. of anything. But yeah. if it's 10 things in a row and yeah. you're doing three variations <laughs> yeah, for each one, yeah. like that's an overwhelming amount of information yeah. and choices. And no one will be following your breath because you are talking so long that yes. it's more than one inhale and exhale. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And then it's just their brain never gets to switch off because they're constantly listening out or focusing on, you know, when do I, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that's we talked about that before as well. That's why repetition is really great as well. And over the years, I've come to not obsess so much about trying to give people an entirely new set of incredible poses and practices every week that are going to be completely different from last week. You know, people actually relax into and enjoy revisiting things and then they can actually yeah, you know, the first few times they're just learning it, you know, mm-hmm. and learning how it feels and learning where they want to go with it. And then, yeah. And then you get to feel the changes in your body. If you know the sequence, exactly. you can feel where you're at yeah, with it that yeah. day. Yeah. I think sometimes 
as teachers, we worry about people getting bored. Yeah. Or like say you're teaching like 10 to 15 classes a week. Yeah, Sometimes you feel bored <laughs> yeah. or you feel like you're being super repetitive doing this yeah, stuff again yeah. and again, but it's been a week since they've seen you, yeah. even though you might have done that sequence like yeah. another 10 times since yeah. last time. I think on that about us getting bored, I think there's a difference between te- reteaching the same postures or sequences over and over again and re-saying the same old cues that you might just be have been parroting over and over again. So remembering in yourself to to keep feeling into it and commentating, it or, or, but also actually leaving silence, that's good too. But you know what I mean? Like if you get into too much of a rut with always saying the same thing those 15 times every week, it starts to lose, you know, it might might not be relevant anymore what you said about this particular shape last week you know what I mean it just mm-hmm. yeah so and like look around the room and see what's actually needed because yeah, I've definitely yeah. had the experience in yeah. my own body of a particular cue really working for yep. me at the beginning and then getting to the point where it was actually detrimental for me to keep focusing on that thing because I'd changed yes so that that muscle didn't need to stretch no. anymore like I needed yeah, to focus yeah. on something yeah. else well you can be in the same pose or the same movement and it's you experience it complete yeah completely differently depending on yeah whether you're relaxing into it or like take for instance wide-legged child's pose you know if you stretch your arms out and then you actually you know reach your fingers away from your from your hips and you know and kind of lengthen in both directions and get your breath happening in there you're going to experience it so differently from if you just you know, (laughs) both beautiful, but yeah. Or if your first teacher was all about getting your hips down on your heels. Yeah. That's a completely different experience. Yeah. 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 And so sometimes like I'm still in my like the pregnant person has showed up to the mixed class. They don't want everyone else to know. One thing that I've found has been helpful for me is just to be Hey, anytime I say anyone who wants to take a gentle option, I'm talking to you. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Because yeah. everyone can take a gentle option. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It's, you know, y- you and other people that teach general classes that where people might drop in that have different things going on, including pregnancy, have a much harder job than I do. You know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> let, me, let me get to the most sensitive aspect yeah, of that. Please. When you think someone might be pregnant oh, or they might have just had a big lunch, so yes. you do oh not God. ever want to ask, no, are never, you don't pregnant? Sometimes yeah. I have tried to do a sneaky filter, especially in a big group <laughs> where I would say, do this option or the prenatal option is this. Yeah, and you just quickly say prenatal, like really. Yeah, yeah. You know. Or it's like, are they going to do it? Are they pregnant? Yeah. I yeah. mean, don't look them dead in the eye. No, uh, no, just yeah. put it yeah. out there. If anyone's like pregnant, yeah. this would not be the one to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know because it is it is a concern, isn't it? I mean, like you were, you know, def- definitely we don't want someone who's pregnant lying on their belly and doing cobra pose or, you know. Yeah, many, many things might just not be that great, but if they haven't shared that with you, then, um, yeah, there's the duty of care as well, isn't there? I mean, yeah. apart from just feeling like you want to look after everyone, because most of us yoga teachers feel like that, don't we? You know, 
there is a duty of care to make sure you're not. I know if I'm in that situation, I pretty much just give the prenatal options anyway with cues like if you don't feel good lying on your belly today, you can go to hands and knees and also hope that if they come back, they will feel comfortable sharing that with you. But sometimes if it's a gym especially, people come and go and Sometimes someone comes in like five minutes late when the class has oh, started. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you don't even have that time at the beginning to have a yeah. check-in. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. When they do that and tell you at the end that they've got some back injury. I yeah. Know. Yeah. Oh, I've got a spinal <laughs> fusion. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pregnant. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, you can also, again, so I wouldn't ever teach this, but because I'm not teaching a mixed class, you know, but you can do things like a cobra or an up dog with a bolster under the thighs or even a bolster under the chest and under the thighs. So there's room there for the belly if you really wanted to. But again, I just wouldn't, you know. Yeah, sometimes I do like a chair sun salute as well. So it's yeah. like down dog with your hands on the chair, plank pose with the hands on the chair, and then you can find a like have a little bit of chest opening from there with the chair helping you. Yeah. Just depending yeah. on where people are at and yeah. what they want to do. Yeah. I love pulling out the chairs. I get sad now. There's this one place I'm teaching now that doesn't have chairs and I'm like, oh yeah, actually. So a teacher who's in Melbourne actually, who does teach prenatal yoga. Can I give a plug yeah. for her? Yeah. Because she's I know she's got a training coming up soon Anahata Geary oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah of course you do yeah um who used to be at the convent one but her business name is I think still one heart I think it is yeah, yeah. she taught me I'd always been I'd used chairs for a few years but this little nice variation I guess you'd call it where you get the chair and you turn it away from you so the seat's away from you and then you can come into things like a half forward bend or even that like camper's pose squat um, <laughs> or a split leg forward bend and you tilt, you have your hands on the chair and you tilt the chair away from you as you bring your, you know, so your spine's coming parallel to the floor or thereabouts. And instead of doing it with your hands on a wall or your hands on a static surface, the chair's moving away from you as you counterbalance that with your bum, you know, and you just get the most divine stretch, you know. We did this in aerial yoga do as you? well with the oh, fabric pressing oh, away. Oh, doing yeah. that on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, so similar. And then even if you felt that once or twice with the chair, the next time you're just using a boring old wall, you can feel it again, that opening or, you know, the spaciousness in both directions. Just so good. Yeah. The other thing that chair's great for is, oh yeah, I think I said before, just a seat seated twist. That's almost my favorite prenatal twist, is just sitting sideways in a chair and turning towards the chair back. Cause I think we probably all know you want to always leave your baby or leave your belly behind when you do pregnancy twists. So that's a really nice way because your arms are kind of lifted up by the chair back and you can just think of turning in your that feels like another Lifting really good making space in your rib Makes, cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, the other one I was thinking of is if at the end in relaxation, and ad, non-pregnant people love this as well, is lying on your side and putting your top leg on a chair. Have you oh, done that one? no. I have to show you. It's so nice. It's really, really, yeah. It seems like it would be really stretchy. Ah, uh, yeah, but if you need to really relax your, oh, so sorry, your, your leg is on the seat of the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, even that seems like it would be quite a stretch. Yeah, I'll try it. I'll try it and report back. It's really, really nice. Yeah, I'll give you a demo later. (laughs) And I think just with a lot of, 
like adding in the wall or the chair option to everybody's standing poses, everyone can feel something new in that. And even though it's adding another layer of support, it's not necessarily making the pose easier or gentler. It's just, oh, now I can feel my spine more or now I can feel my shoulders more. Or if someone has kind of tighter hips or hamstrings, who would not be getting their hands down to the ground mm. in like Parsvottanasana coming forward with two straight yeah. legs. It means that you can have something supportive underneath your hands that you can push back from yeah. or like reach away from and yeah. really get that nice spine lengthening feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. I'm such a such an addict <laughs> with that now. Yeah, yeah. So where are oh, we? Were talk- where were we as well? We've done, we've gone off down the garden path again. We were talking about... We were talking about the awkward situation of someone coming to your class, you think they might be pregnant, they haven't said anything, you don't want to say anything. Yeah, and it is, I mean, again, it can happen if you teach casual drop-in classes and you can just literally, yeah, get really caught out. I think it is great to try and, like, if you work for a studio or for yourself, to, and I know that you guys definitely have this, but to have a registration form something really simple and then you know that information tend to happen if you have a relationship with the person because then they usually tell you it's usually they're like yeah 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 Yeah. but I really I get so much out of those forms now and I check back over them as the as time goes by as well little bits and pieces little uh, pebbles along the path to see you know where people are at with things yeah and just always reminding them as well that you don't have to tell the you don't have to say in front of the whole class you've got hemorrhoids you know like just as I mean we all do this as a teacher anyway don't we but making sure that people know that they can come early stay late send you an email send me an email Mm -hmm. you know and that I'm really interested I really want to know for so many reasons and again it's duty of care as well isn't it but for so many reasons I want to know if things have changed for them or you know new things have come up yeah or if they've been to see that amazing osteo I want to even hear from their you know like get your osteo to email me and tell me what you know yeah and that's totally appropriate as well if you are teaching someone and you feel like it's a bit out of your scope of yes. practice to yeah. make sure they're seeing someone else like a pelvic floor physio or yes. an osteo and let them know that, you know, we can be in touch yeah, as the two people yeah. who are helping take care of yeah. you through this time. So yeah. if you're feeling like out of your depth or overwhelmed, absolutely yeah. get another health professional on board and then you can work with them and exactly. learn from them. Yeah. We often do end up being signposts, don't we? Like, I, and I totally get why it is, or one of the reasons I feel it is. You know, people have these transformative opening, you know, experiences where they've actually, you know, <laughs> taken a moment, taken a few breaths, you know, stuff comes up, stuff comes out. And I guess, yeah, we walk that fine line between wanting to support that and help them feel safe to express that if they need to or ask the questions, but we don't have to have and we shouldn't have all the answers, you know, and telling them what they, you know. (laughs) Um, But even I I also have, I mean, obviously Dr. Google is amazing and I've certainly snuck into the props room in the past to Google things, you know. If someone rocks up with something, I'm sure you have as well. (laughs) Also, I find if someone's got something going on, they're usually pretty happy to explain it to you if you're just like, oh, I've never heard of that. Like, Can you tell me what that means? But sometimes to double-check something because I have heard of it and then I just in that moment I doubt myself again. But I also just, and I even sort of brought it with me today, I have a a 
my Nana basket that I take to classes with my bell and all my things in it that I like. And I just have a file, you know, of heaps of stuff in it that I've printed out over the years. You know, things like beautiful quotes from, you know, like some beautiful poem, you know, like it might be something, I might just suddenly feel like I want to, to do a reading in class or take the class through something that's just a little bit more complicated or just double check some information in and around contraindications or, you know, what's good for, uh, I'm trying to think now, high blood pressure or, you know, just, some, and I might've forgotten in that moment and that's okay. You know, I can just take a little, you know, leaf through my little book there and you know, don't have to have everything in the steel trap mind at all times and be the font of all, all knowledge. But yeah, we were saying about sign, you know, being a signpost, like just yeah, being quick to refer people on and and then offering to be in conversation with that third or fourth or fifth party and be part of their team. Like that's been the biggest, oh, I guess, compliment maybe is the word over the years where people end up referring to me as a part of their team you know as they head towards having their baby and and beyond yeah it's really nice nice well i guess we've got one more question and uh it's one we ask all of our guests so if you could distill everything that you teach and everything that you've learned down to one core essence oh my gosh such a thing as possible what what do you think that one thing would be this is a huge question. Does Feel free everybody... to dig into your basket. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Does everybody answer this question? Oh, yeah. yeah, we yeah. get amazing answers. No pressure. Oh, yeah, no yeah. pressure. No pressure. I'm just going to sip my, space, have sip some my tea. tea for a minute. <laughs> oh, you know, just like embracing the mystery, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like even we've been talking about, oh, you know, is this good for that? And what can we do for this? And da 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 da. And we can sort of start to get a little bit like pulling things apart. And, and that's a natural part of being curious, curious, you know. But as a whole, you know, there is just still this underlying mystery to the whole, the whole shebang, to life, to existence, to pregnancy, you know, to the transformations that we go through and that, that not knowing as well. And is just so, you know, to, to, to lean into that as well and be okay about that. Not always having the answers, not always knowing, being prepared to just be on the, you know, on the journey. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a great answer. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And I think it's such a wonderful aspect of life. It's like we're always going to be learning. We're always going to be growing. We're always going to be finding out new things. If you felt like you had all the answers, like where to from there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I guess as well, just to add, like maybe you know, it's about being in that moment as well. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. There's, thank you, know, so you too. Oh, my here. goodness. Always a pleasure to talk pelvic floor with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, yes, all the other little things that slipped out there about, you know, varicosities and vulvas and things. We probably should have talked about vulvas more, but we could save that for the next time as well. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there should be more vulva talk. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation. Our next guest is Dr. Kavitha Mohan, a yoga teacher, scientist, and world record holder based in Chennai, India. Joe reached out to her after reading her book, Traditional Aerial Yoga, which explores how aerial yoga affects the subtle body and connects in with yoga history and tradition. We'll include a link in our show notes to everything we've spoken about on our website, podcast.flowartist.com. You can also leave a comment there if you like. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find me on Instagram at Ran Loves Yoga and Joe is Garden of Yoga. Our theme song is Baby Robots by GoSoul and is used with permission. Check out gosoul.bandcamp.com. Thank you so, so much for listening. We really appreciate you spending your precious time with us. Here, aroha nui, maua kia koutou katoa. Big, big love.